1: To inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome
0: the roadblocks to do so.
1: The guest of my podcast today is Benjamin Carroll, co-founder and CEO of Othership.
0: The way that we try to deliver value is to constantly seek for feedback and use our own service as well. So we live the life that we do. So we work from our spaces. If I'm not working from my spaces, then would I want to be paying that membership? If the answer is no, why am I not working from that space? Why am I not doing that podcast from a space? Why am I not having a meeting from that space? just accepting that that's our place in this point is to take the pain away from building that relationship, building that connection, finding that right space. It's just our responsibility day in day out to do that and that's why we will do better than everyone else because our first point in is to just make sure that it does add value to you. Then I will worry about making money and we will worry about the business which is not what masters want to hear all the time.
1: This is Benjamin. He started his career as an engineer, working on electric and special vehicles for Ford, Ricardo and Nissan. He then led a team driving digital transformation at Ford, before moving to BP as a digital program lead. Ben is passionate that the best commute is no commute. His ambition is to break down borders by making it possible for anyone to work from anywhere. And that's how he started Othership. It's a membership for people who want to work the other way. It's built around the belief in a new world of work that revolves around you, that adopts to your needs, allows you to pursue the work that you want to do, wherever you are. Where working for yourself doesn't have to mean working by yourself, and where fulfilling work is a fundamental right, not a rare luxury. Othership was founded to spark a global flow-working revolution, inspiring people to adopt a new way of working controlled by them. This inspired me, and hence I invited Ben to my podcast, We explore how the world has changed with regards to the way we do work. We dig into the role of the workspace and what important values it drives that we often ignore. We discuss how critical it is, for creating traction, to truly understand what users care about and what drives their use case. And last but not least, we discuss Benjamin's secret to build a software business people keep talking about. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly. Why often what customers buy from you is not at all what you instinctively think it is. Secondly, that technically your product fits many people, but to thrive is to get really specific on their exact use case and then exceed their expectations. Thirdly, that to grow a position of advantage is to challenge your business by aiming to become your own best customer. And fourthly, that if your customers aren't talking about you, simply ask them why. They'll happily tell you. Hi, Benjamin. Thank you for making the time today and be a guest on my podcast.
0: Hi, Tom. Yeah, I really appreciate the offer. Thank you so much to come in. Very exciting.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I've never been able to make use of your service, but if I was living in the UK, I probably would. We're going to talk about it in a a minute, but normally the, the, the start that I have that people get used to is talk a little bit about you. Typically, what defines you as a person or as an entrepreneur? If you would have to use two or three words, what would you use?
0: That's quite a tricky one. I <laughs> seek freedom. If I'm allowed three words, I seek freedom. Would okay. Define.
1: I mean, freedom at the end is like, it's actually a word that I've used this morning in part of my communication as well, because it's it's such a broad topic. And as, a, and as an entrepreneur at the end, you, you seek the freedom to do the things that you want to do. And I think with regards to your, your company, you you create a lot of freedom for your customers as well. So I think it's a nice word, possibly uh, something that you should you you le- should leverage. <laughs> so, but possibly you can start with explaining what is the big idea behind your company. What is the problem that you solve that they're screaming for a solution
0: like yours? So when we started, Ton, the idea was actually my co-founder's concept. He just had the frustration that many people have of traveling around. And not having access, easy access to a workspace that was appropriate where he'd have a plug, Wi-Fi, quiet enough to do a Zoom call, and found himself working from places like Starbucks, McDonald's, or a hotel room. And it just wasn't conducive to the kind of work environment that he wanted, and he wanted something better. So he came to me and said, I have this idea to build a network of workspaces. How can we do this? And This is where from my background as being a freelancer and appreciating the freedom, I wanted something that was truly accessible and that meant distributed and affordable for people. So when we started, we felt that the problem that we were solving was affordable and accessible access to workspaces and co-working, exactly as you said. What we found along our journey was a lot of the value that we provide to people Is not just the workspace, but other aspects around it from friendship of other people who they meet within our community, whether in our workspaces or at our events or even in a Slack group online, accountability from saying what they're going to do, increased productivity from just having people around them, even if they're not speaking particular and particularly engaging with them, someone to celebrate a little win with while you go and grab your coffee at the end of the day. And it was these more meaningful connections that are provided through both an online environment that we call our online workspace with our Slack group and our physical workspaces, which are the venues that people can go and work from.
1: So you've got two different options here. I mean, I, I use one myself. I'm not going to mention the name because at the end, I think that's, that's com- competition there. But that's fascinating what you're saying. First of all, for, for two reasons. One is because the initial problem was more of a functional problem. Can't find the space, can't find a place that is connected. It was good enough for, for, for me to work quiet and so on. But the reason why people started coming was more, much more of an emotional thing.
0: Yeah, that's what gets people out their house at the end of the day. So we do do enterprise product. And I'm sure that enterprise when they sign up with us are thinking about providing their employees access to workspaces, what they probably don't realize is the wellness benefits that come with it, or they do when they start thinking about it more deeply that actually the reason that that person left their house to go and access a workspace or logged into a Slack group, which maybe they are more, they may feel they're more unlikely to do, is that actually they want to engage. If you're now working at home, so many of us are, and your office isn't open and available to you and you've lost your colleagues, you've lost the social part of work that makes it enjoyable to be there. Yes, okay, we enjoy the tasks in our jobs sometimes and the challenges, but we also enjoy going in to see the people who we make friends with. I mean, one in 10 of us still find our life partner at work, even with like Tinder around nowadays. That just shows how much relationship action still happens in the workspace.
1: If I do some counting for the company I used to work for, I think it's higher. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. That's completely true. So many couples working for the company at some point in time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's fascinating also because uh, kind of the initial idea that I got from your business is like, okay, it's for freelancers. Like you said yourself, it's for digital nomads. It's for people that, yeah, that are remote workers. But then you made a point about enterprise. And possibly even your market has grown since COVID while a lot of organizations are now going to shrink down because they realize also hey wait a minute all of our employees can work from home we don't need all that space anymore maybe we can have a much flexible much more flexible way of doing things
0: yeah i think we're the end of the co-working market that will see the biggest growth in this world i've always believed that this was the trajectory we went in and you know, you asked about what makes me a founder. Well, I do believe in freedom. I don't particularly like a world with borders. I like the idea of anyone being able to work from anywhere. Yeah. And that's what inspires me to do this business now economically. And, and I know this causes challenges and people don't always agree with this side, but that that's what inspires me to be able to go and do this. And that means building all of these connections for people and adding significant value on that side of it.
1: Fascinating. So so what do you believe is the opportunity if, if this kind of pulls through and the market starts to starts to adopt this in ways we haven't done before?
0: I think the opportunity is pretty significant. It's scary in the sense that it's accelerated, I would say, 10 or 15 years due to COVID and yeah. people's reevaluation. Companies have learned that their employees really can work remotely and potentially even be more productive and actually probably have concerns on the well-being because the productivity gains show they're working potentially too many hours without moving without social engagement And there are some concerns on this side, but from a productivity wise, I don't think people fundamentally have an issue with it anymore. I think they've seen that the world works perfectly fine if their employees are working from home and not facing those longer commutes and being able to have access to do their laundry during the day and providing this kind of environment yeah. It probably breeds a healthier person than a company who does this all for you and tries to get you to live in their building 24-7 and do your laundry for you and provide you food at your desk. And yeah. that probably breeds a different kind of isolation from society because you're too embedded in your office and your and your workplace. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. a healthier relationship.
1: Well, and possibly also for business, what I see, I think what's, what is a danger, and, and I think that that's what you just talked about being so so ingrained inside the organization within the four walls of the business that's how you start to apply and and think about things in different ways and when you're more outside of it you can likely you'll have different perspectives if you also connect with people from the outside of business that diversity is always a good thing
0: I fundamentally believe this. And this is why we've never actually targeted specifically any one community. If we actually build one community, we try and find their adjacent community. So we built a community with lots of freelancers who were creatives, probably because they crave inspiration from new spaces. So they really enjoyed the flexibility of what we did. What we found is they were very good to partner with tech people because they were able to build product and quite often scared to market it or lacking the knowledge. And these two were great to put together. So we partner with people like Product Hunt London to build these meaningful connections and be able to facilitate them. And all you need to do is put them in the same place and be enough of a host or provide enough hosting environment that it facilitates the early discussions and the rest happens organically beyond this point. You just need to break down those initial barriers. So yeah, we're a huge believer in that sort of cross-functional skills coming together. And I do think it's healthy. I actually think you look at, I found it really interesting, a talk from Peter Thiel, really good lecture that he has out on YouTube called Why Competition is for Losers and actually one of the things that i took from it wasn't necessarily about this but it was him talking about leaving his job when he went and started paypal and he'd gone through academia i think it was at stanford had gone into a big law firm and within 7 days left and a colleague came up to him and said i didn't know you could leave alcatraz and i just think that that's hilarious it's this sort of this concept that my life my career my everything has got me stuck in this building and it's not just this building but it becomes a culture a way of life the people i socialize with the people i hang out with especially when you're working in these types of firms you see netflix and how netflix likes to run its thing i know reed nelson does not like remote working it has come out he wants everyone back in the office they want a hardcore team that are in there living breathing netflix constantly 24 7. Now, what comes out of this potentially in my belief is you get something like you see in the social dilemma where you've got all these engineers who've been feeding all these algorithms to help the company without actually taking the time to step back and think, shit, are we damaging society? Are we causing some problem? Now, if they actually maybe didn't go into those bloody buildings all day and live, breathe, have their laundry done, have their food done, they might have more ethical awareness about what was going on and question from whether the product they were building was actually something that that people... Genuinely wanted rather than something you pushed on them through a good execution of UX, UI, and behavioral science that isn't healthy for humanity. But anyway, there's my rant for the day.
1: <laughs> well, that was an interesting one. Well, talking about that, and I mean, designing your product and designing how to make it remarkable from when you started, because what I saw is you started in November 2018, so way before COVID. But what did you do in order to make it a product that stands out, that delivers remarkable value? I'm talking about Peter Thiel's point: competition is for losers. How did you make it? Yeah, what it is unique.
0: Well, we we are in a highly competitive space. I would say you know fundamentally our platform is built on a marketplace. I will never deny this. That's how it started. It may not end up as this. I think our next iteration of what we deliver will be another step away from this original concept of just booking workspaces but the way that we try to deliver value is to constantly seek for feedback and use our own service as well so we live the life that we do so we work from our spaces if i'm not working from my spaces then would i want to be paying that membership if the answer is no why am i not working from that space why am i not doing that podcast from a space why am i not having a meeting from that space and just constantly reevaluating on this and taking the pain out of all those problems I always say this to my business partner every time we sit there going oh why do we have to deal with this issue or why do we have to deal with that it's just accepting that that's our place in this point is to take the pain away from building that relationship, building that connection, finding that right space, making sure that they know when you come in that you have booked and you have got your seat and your Wi-Fi and your free coffee is given to you. You don't have to ask for it. And it's just our responsibility day in, day out, to do that. And that's why we will do better than everyone else, because our first point in is to just make sure that it does add value to you, then I will worry about making money and we will worry about the business, which is not what masters want to hear all the time.
1: Let me make a small interruption here. Benjamin just made an excellent remark about what gives them defensible differentiation, their ability to walk in the shoes of their ideal customers simply by using their own products on a day-to-day basis and challenge every aspect of it. Here's where they uncover the moments that really matter. Which enables them to focus on creating peaks rather than just fixing holes. And this is what creates experiences that people talk about and keep coming back for. It's a trait the remarkable software companies master. They're curious, create new value possibilities, and with that, a product that is not just better, but different. And this drives momentum. And you can master these traits as well. I have two options for you to start. First, read or listen to my book, The Remarkable Effect. And you can find that on amazon.com. Secondly, get into action right away and surround yourself by a group of people that think and act like you, tech founders and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots, explore new paths, and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com. Back to the interview.
0: If I can deliver something people use...
1: And I believe also, I'm a firm believer. I mean, my book is is all about that, that customer value first, and then the rest will follow. Because if there's no customers willing to pay for your service, willing to pay a premium for your service as well, then you don't get the word of mouth. And that is, in essence, your exponential growth engine. So what is the particular pain point that was key for you to solve here? Because you mentioned already a couple of them, like finding something and then don't have to deal with the hassle of booking it and so on
0: so i guess there's a few for different types of people and everyone has different sort of use cases so i'd say you've got the person who predominantly works from home on their own and there's is loneliness i would say is significant use case yeah and This is probably me as the person in the business. I like working from home. I prefer working from home, from an office, from any location. I hate commuting. When we launched more and more online offers, I was so happy and was putting my hand to run and manage them because I don't like leaving my house that much. I'm a kind of introverted person, someone who speaks and smiles too much and does jazz hands on Zoom cameras. But yeah. I'm that person. But then what happens if I do this seven days a week is I start getting loneliness and I want to be able to access fairly much when I want, I guess, the ability to go and socialize. So that's definitely one use case. And I know that I can turn up to some of our venues and there'll be five people there. I've probably met them in a networking event and on Slack and things like this. And we can say hi to each other, have a quick coffee, sit down, chat. And that's great. You've then got people who are maybe more of a salesperson or a consultant or a professional who's moving around a lot within a city or going to a conference in Manchester and here in London, and they just need somewhere to drop in and drop out of that is quite, it's got to be reliable. It's got to have, I know I'm going to have a plug and get my power so I can run my laptop. I know I can get on the Wi-Fi and not have a problem with running a Zoom and I've got to know that it's quiet enough that if I need to have a call, I can have a call, and it not sound like I've got a hundred kids and people drinking and everything in the background, and it it's a workspace. Yeah, yeah. so that's another type of person, and we make sure from because that's where our business is built from that that is pretty much as seamless as as possible.
1: Do I mean I'm thinking about it because the initial thing that you I, that comes comes up for me is like okay, this is a place which is actually where you, where you normally buy coffee, but you can take it. Far beyond that could this be that you become sort of the airbnb for how do you say that for for co-working
0: yeah definitely so this is exactly where we started off as an airbnb for co-working and i guess now we see it as something more than this more like more like linen meets we work mm-hmm. but we don't own those buildings yeah i don't yeah. want to own those buildings maybe we will one day I don't know. At the moment, I don't future. if Well, maybe I will one day to have flagships or whatever it is, or to try and do something. I don't know, maybe. Today, I don't have a budget to do this. What we can do is grab beautiful five-star hotels. And this is where we go after now. And amazing, beautiful venues that you want to be in that we actually think of better than some of the co-working spaces out there, yeah. even though we partner with co-working spaces, but some of the hotels that exquisite and that's going to be a challenge for co-working providers in the future is hospitality is coming for you
1: yeah is it do you also see for example people with private houses renting off like offices within those places
0: it's an interesting one i've looked at it it's i will put my hands up and say i i don't believe in it at the moment Uh i think it could happen i believe that some people Could easily say if I lived in the countryside and I had an annex or somewhere I could convert into a really good quality office, I could monetize some of that like an Airbnb for office space and run this. What I don't think works very well other people who do it and it ends up that the meeting room is the child's bedroom and you're zooming and there's yeah. a panda bear in the background and you've now paid them five pounds to be in that space or it's free and it's awkward. Like I think yeah. believe more that people will invest in building mini co-working spaces in their residencies that they would open up to people that could work, I believe, but not just your exactly. living room. Exactly. I don't think so.
1: No, no, no. But I mean, it could go far beyond the typical place where you get a coffee or where, where you have a hotel it's actually another way of monetizing the space that you have interesting i think if
0: someone built a co-working space at the end of their garden, out on if you went and put like a shed and converted it into a co-working space anyone could convince three neighbors to chip into that build and some monthly cost and running and tea and coffee of it and things like this like i think the world is very ready for that definitely
1: yeah who knows what the world will look like in a couple of years time (laughs) So, yeah. So you went to market. I mean, you started November 18. When did the solution launch? Was it about a year later?
0: No, we left our jobs in October. I'm a big believer in test this stuff as fast as humanly possible. We launched the venues in December and we launched customers in January.
1: Wow. That's rapidly. Possibly it's also not not so much the technology. Well, the technology is an element of it, but it's at the end bringing everybody together like a marketplace. So what did you learn from, from launching this that worked really well or what didn't work that you would t- completely do, do differently next time?
0: Yeah, we always look at this, me by this part. We talk about this. Would we change anything that we did on our journey? I don't know if we would. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but no, I don't know if we would because the hard thing is to say if we changed it, we don't know what the outcome would have been. We know we changed things along the way, but we changed them because we felt they were right to change at that time. So we, we were a free model at one point and then we launched in a paid service and it was freemium and now it's a fully paid service. But each time we did that was because we'd listened to customers and added value. So we ran for free to allow us to be able to make more mistakes at the beginning fundamentally and not quite have it right but people give us a chance and then we listened to them and spoke to them engage with them and then they said okay you know I will live with your mistakes a bit but it's nice to know you're listening to me and trying and we used to release features every single week every day sometimes I used to sit next to someone who'd made a booking so we'd see they'd made a booking, gone to a space. I would turn up at the space, sit down, open the laptop. How did you find the website? What did you like? What didn't you like? Oh, I didn't like this. Da-da-da-da-da. Go and change it. Go back. Is that better? Can you do this? And people would go, oh, you can't use a test with one person. You can use a test with one person. Like, you can get that feedback really sure. quickly in the beginning. Yeah, and, sure. and that's what we did. You'd yeah, so so be walking
1: in the, in the shoes of your customers, right?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, Talking about my book again, The Remarkable Effect, it's about the 10th rates that define a remarkable software business. I'm not sure how many software businesses you've started in the meantime, but what do you believe is a secret that's, well, to, to create a company that people talk about?
0: That's a really difficult one because you could add value to someone in an era of their life that was very taboo and they wouldn't talk about this. So if you want to absolutely guarantee it, True. give them a really good referral offer. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure they enjoy your service <laughs> i don't know that's a really tricky one because yeah the to be one, i would like to say add value and then people will talk about it but they don't always the best no, like, thing what, I, what makes people my, talk okay my recommendation story. would be if you want people to talk about your business ask them to and they will tell you no because i don't think it's good enough or they'll say yeah i should so probably the best thing to do is ask them
1: yeah Can you engineer it? Do you, have you engineered for it? I mean, you're just talking about feedback that you live on feedback and and make it better and better and better. And at some point people will say, you know, this is now, yeah, better than I hoped for. So how many, for example, if you look at your customers, how many of your customers come through referrals of others?
0: Honestly, I don't know the answer to that at the moment, Tom, which is slightly embarrassing. I should know, but my my co-founder will know how many come through on a referral scheme. I'm not sure. (laughs)
1: No, I'll be at the end. You know, you're saying that typically people meet in this in these places. So they they also they, they see people that they've met also online. And what I do also with the services that I use, you talk about it to others because it works. You know, there's a change in your life. I mean, you you talked about accountability. I think that's a big part of it. You can do your work from home and you do your work from another place, and there's, there's someone that is actually yeah, you know what you're going to work on both. You just do the work, but there's an accountability factor going on on top of that. That is pretty powerful.
0: Definitely. And if they're not talking about it, and that's why I say ask them, because if they're not, they'll tell you why.
1: But that's also good. Yeah, that's a very good uh, piece of advice. So what has been a big obstacle that you've had to overcome on the journey to where you are right now? How did you overcome
0: it? Just in a, the emotional battle was the challenge in this game, for sure. It's having the resilience every day to just get up and keep going on the days that's hard. And how do I overcome it? I have a co-founder. I listen to my members. Today, I was having a rubbish day and we run something called Get Paired Up. So it allows people in our Slack group to get paired up with other members. And I was paired up with one of my members and we were talking about when we can meet up. And I said, I'm having a bad day. Actually, let's just do today if you can. She said she was free today. And we did. And we chatted for 45 minutes, probably. I felt a million times better afterwards. Reminds me of the value that we do bring to people. And that motivates me. So yeah. speak to your members. Hopefully you get a good one and not one who's <laughs> had a bad experience. We don't have too many of these. So I was statistically had a good chance that it was going to make me feel better. And then my co-founder and yeah. the other team members, yeah,
1: well, possibly also if you have a customer that is actually giving you giving you critical insights that, you know, at the end can make the difference. At the end, it's also like, thank you, you know? It's all about mindset, how you, of course, how you deal with, with negative feedback. But if you can then make it better, then that's fantastic. So yeah, today see. I was
0: happy to not have negative feedback. No, no,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> No, of course not. But it's it's also about how you, how you take that. So what are you most proud of achieving so far? Is there an anecdote yeah, from the community or from people that were, are using your service that, that you keep talking about?
0: Oh, it's just 100% the connections that we manage to build with people. Even the people who come in from an enterprise meet people within the venues or start to build a relationship with the venue and use the venue more often for events and work events and dinners and corporate clients this is the bit that makes us proud every day i like to sort of measure our success by how many meaningful connections and projects and engagements we build across the community yeah
1: Yeah, that's super valuable i'm running a community as well and and often they say it's uh, people come for the content but then they stay for the people and that's that is so true it's the connections that you build the network around you is much more valuable than just the check boxes of, okay, I can, I can actually get a place and I know I have a connection to wire up my laptop. So from running your business and the kind of all the learnings that you've done so far, what is a key lesson learned or tidbits of tidbit of wisdom that you would share with other potential people that, that aspire to be a founder of a company?
0: Celebrate the wins on a regular basis. At the end of a week, if you've had a bad week, grab your co-founder, grab someone in your team and talk about what went well. You don't have to always talk about what went badly. How do we fix this? Sometimes it's okay to just sit down at the end of the week and remind yourself of all the good things. The pace that you will be moving at probably is someone who's starting is a freelancer or an entrepreneur and you're starting a business that pace will be so fast at the beginning. You'll have a million things to be proud of at the end of every week and just remember yeah. them and celebrate them and enjoy it.
1: Well, that's, that's right. That keeps you going at the end because sometimes you don't see it, but it's, it's still happening. At the end, you could see, wait a minute, we've, there's a couple of challenges this week, but we, boy, we've made progress. And that, that is super motivating. So wise advice. So what is next for you? Where do you want to be in 12 months time?
0: Where do we want to be in 12 months time? I guess we have an investment deck that goes around that's talking about where we want to be in in 12 months time. So I should be open enough to talk about it. We'll just widen out our network of spaces quite considerably, putting in more online events and more mechanisms for people to be able to connect, meet each other and engage with the right People who they want to continue engaging with. So, whatever intelligence is required to be able to support that type of environment where people are finding the right spaces, the right people to connect with.
1: Yeah. And that's what you said in the beginning. It's not so much maybe about connecting people to places or spaces, but more people to people. And that's an interesting shift, but of course, also a completely new area of competitive pressure because, yeah, it's a different area altogether. So where can people go to find out more about your company and to connect with you to say hi?
0: Well, the best way to get hold of us, Tom, for people who are looking for events, workspaces and to connect with other people is to just head straight over to othership.com. We run a free trial on our services over here, so sign up there. Or the other option is if you want to get hold of us because you're looking to inquire about a partnership or an enterprise solution for your business, then just email us at hello at othership.com and someone on the team will get back to you.
1: Well, thank you very much, Benjamin, for taking the time today. I like the approach that you're taking. I like your broader view on the world and, and how actually this whole yeah world of working is changing and how you embrace it with your company. So good luck with it. hope the best growth, hope for a good funding round and yeah, possibly we should do a podcast in about a year or one and a half years' time again to see where you stand.
0: Thank you very much, Tom. I would absolutely love that be really exciting to come back and see where we are, and I'm sure it will be something fairly different to where it is but with some degree of similarity
1: (laughs) and this ends my conversation with benjamin i hope you enjoyed it and if so please leave a review on itunes and if it inspired you please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that you have in your network other than that thank you for tuning into this podcast i had the honor to speak to benjamin crew co-founder and ceo of othership as said the goal that i have in this podcast is twofold firstly to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode.
0: That's what